So we, we started talking last week about, um, about prayer, because we're in these 40 days of prayer and consecration leading up to Resurrection Sunday. And, uh, and so last week we were talking about uh, praying the scriptures. And today we're going to be getting into talking about uh, how we pray in the name of Jesus. Before we can talk really about praying in the name of Jesus and, and the gravity of what that means, I feel like we have to talk just a little bit about adoption. We have to talk about the, the spirit of adoption and the process of adoption. Because to pray in the name of Jesus means that we're praying with the authority of Jesus, meaning we're connected to the Father as Jesus is connected to the Father. From, from God, the way that he sees Jesus and the way that he sees us when we're in him, it's no different. Jesus came to reunite us to the Father, to God, who has all authority. And we're going to talk about this in just a minute, what that means to be reunited to, to the Father through Jesus and how that enables us to call upon his name and to exercise his authority in our prayers. But before we get into that, we have to talk about adoption just a little bit because God has an adoption process. I love adoption. I love the, the, the idea of adoption. Uh, my family was really blessed by adoption. My brother, Jason, was adopted. My, my mom and dad uh, were you know, they had some concerns that they would ever be able to have a kid. And so they decided, well, but we want children. We're going to adopt. So they adopted my brother, Jason, uh, in 1970. Uh, as he was brand, just a brand newbie, just a spanking brand new baby. And they took him home. And uh, within, you know, a little a bit over a year, they found out, oh, we're going to have another baby. Uh, and so uh, he always takes credit for the fact that I was born. <laughs> And when we were kids and I would say dumb things to make him feel bad, like, oh, yeah, oh, you're adopted, which is a terrible, horrible thing to say. But when you're the little brother, you just pick anything you can to try and get at the big brother. And Jason would always say to me, he'd say, no, 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 I was adopted. They picked me. <laughs> savage. So savage. Yeah. He was a... They had their choice of every baby in the world, and uh, they picked me. I said, oh, yeah, well, they had me. And he said, yeah, and then how many did they have after you? <laughs> there's, just, there's just no way to win. Just no, no way to win. So what I love about that story, though, is that Jason embodied like what it means to be grafted into a family and to embrace that relationship, to know that, okay, I, I was adopted. That means you picked me. That means that I'm a part of this, and there's no, I'm no longer a stranger to you. I'm not an orphan. I know I didn't come into this family by blood, but the love is no different, and the acceptance, and, and the rights and the privileges of being a part of this family are no different than if I had been Darren right? Then if I had been born and then you guys decided not to have any more kids. No different. So the real challenge for us, I think, as people who have been adopted by God through Jesus is to come to terms with what that means to be adopted. God has an adoption process that I was, I was going through, getting ready for the message and praying and, and thinking about Jason and thinking about just my upbringing and how you know, 
my parents brought, before I was around, they brought in this, this kid who was, you know, who would have been, in any of their circumstances, a stranger. Would have been a stranger to me. But he wasn't a stranger. He was my brother. Because mom and dad brought him in. Chose him. And then he responded. And then he became a son. And then he belonged as if he'd been there all the time. And that's the adoption process that God takes us through. I'm going to read a few scriptures. I'm going to have a friend come up in a minute and help me with the main scriptures. But this is just a precursor to the message. God's adoption process. First of all, we are chosen. We're chosen by him. Ephesians 1, 4 and 5 says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Get that. You are adopted through Jesus into God's family, and God is happy about it. It's his pleasure. It's his will. It's what he wants to do, to give you the kingdom, because you are no longer a stranger to God. You're no longer an orphan. You're his kid. And he wants to give his kids good gifts. So it's one thing for God to choose us before the creation of the world. It's another thing for us to accept it. And that's where it comes our responsibility. The second part of this adoption process is that we respond. John 1.12 says, He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. We respond to him. He says to us, he reveals to us, I want you to be my kid. I want you to be in my family. I want to give you the kingdom. And then we have a choice. And as many as will receive that, he gives the right to become sons and daughters of the king of kings with all the rights and privileges thereof. Third part of this adoption process is that we become. Romans 8, 17. Now, if we are children, remember, we, we're accepted in this family. Now we're God's kids. And if we are kids of a king, that means that we're heirs. We're heirs of God and we're co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. If we don't lose heart, if we stay the course, if we maintain this posture of receiving God's gift of adoption, embracing it, and keeping, keep walking down that path, faithful, loving, obedient to him. We're heirs of God, and we're co-heirs with Christ. Everything that God has bestowed upon Jesus, he has now bestowed upon us. Not a lesser gift, because we're subservient or because we don't matter as much as Jesus. This is the thing that blows my mind. When we accept Jesus, God looks at us and says, oh, you're just like my son. You're just like my son. You're not some sort of, you know, offshoot of the family. You are full on my kid, just like my son in whom I said, I'm well pleased. I'm well pleased with you too. So if there's nothing else that you get out of today's message, I just want you to know right at the top, God is pleased with you. God is pleased with you. He looks at you and he loves you and he wants you to know this morning, you're not some lesser creature.
you are his child. And so that, for, that brings us to the fourth step, Luke 12, 32. We belong. We belong. Luke 12, 32. This is Jesus talking to his disciples, and I feel like this is what he would say to us gathered here today. My little group of disciples. I, I, I can just hear him, like looking at us, standing here and saying, my little group of disciples. We're not a huge group. We are disciples, though. And he wants to tell us, my little group of disciples, don't be afraid. Your father wants to give you the kingdom. Don't be afraid. Your father wants to give you the kingdom. That's what adoption is. That's what adoption is. In our natural family, my brother came in before I was even on the scene. My brother came in and my mom and dad said, my kid, I want to give you everything that I have. We want to protect you. We want to provide for you. We want to make sure that you have everything that you could need to do everything God's calling you to do. And it's the same with our spiritual father. We respond to his call and he says, I want to give you everything that you need to do everything I'm asking you to do. You'll lack for no good thing. Here's a fun fact. This is a fun adoption fact. This is true in the natural world. I believe it's true in the spirit as well. When a child's adoption becomes legal, their original birth certificate actually becomes null and void for legal purposes. In a sense, their adoption certificate stating who their adoptive parents are and their lineage, that becomes the official record. It cancels out the, uh, the original birth certificate. And I think that's true in the spirit. So many times we get caught up in some things that happened to us before we came to know Jesus. Patterns and habits and things like that that just, they plague us. And, and that's old family stuff. That's not official anymore. The official record, once you receive Jesus, once you are adopted into that kingdom, that becomes your lineage. That becomes your people. That's where you came from. That's your spiritual heritage. And it sets you on a different course for your spiritual legacy. So I think now, hopefully, having... Having gone a little bit into adoption, we can start really with a little bit better context to, start, to talk about what it means to pray in the name of Jesus. And I'm asking a friend to come up and help me out. Would you come up, Violet? Yeah, I'll turn this on for you. Right? Violet, everybody. Okay. How you doing? Doing good. Would you introduce yourself to everyone? Yeah. Hi, guys. My name is Violet Morgan, and I'm one of the members of the tag group, and, <laughs> and I'm just going to be reading some of the scriptures with Pastor Darren today. Thank you. All right, here we go. So we're talking about praying in the name of Jesus. We're going to be in the book of John. If you've got your version notes, you can follow along as well, and they'll be up on the screen. Uh, we're just going to kind of tag team it. So John 14, 12 through 14. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Amen. 
Okay, Violet, you. John 14, 26. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Amen. That's so good. So we can't, we're, we're adopted into this family and, and we can ask anything in his name and he will do it. Ask anything calling on the authority of Jesus that comes from being a part of this family and he'll do it. But what Violet's reminding us right now is that it's the advocate, it's the Holy Spirit that Jesus sent that has to remind us of that sometimes. Remind us of who we are. Thank you. Um, uh, I'm next. Okay. John 15, <laughs> verse 16. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. Amen? Amen. Okay. You get the big one. Sorry. <laughs> John 16, 22 through 27. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Amen. Would you do me a favor? Would you just read that last line? No, the Father himself. Let this sink in, y'all. Okay. No. The Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Amen. Violet, thank you. I appreciate it. Violet Morgan, everybody. Thanks. We were going to have David Compost come next week, but we're going to have Violet speak instead. I think it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Uh, really important, that scripture that Violet was just reading to us, John 16, 22 through 27, he's, it's, get this, he said, though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but I will tell you plainly about my father. In that day, you will ask in my name, get this, I'm not saying that I will ask the father on your behalf. I'm not saying that I'm going to ask the father on your behalf. Jesus is telling us here, we don't need, you know, when we're in Christ, we're like Christ. We don't need to ask Jesus permission to go talk to the Father. When he was here on earth, they needed to go through him to speak to God, right? They needed to go through him because he was representing the Father. And he had to kind of get their heads around, wait, wait, no, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And when I've ascended, I'm in you, you're in me, he's in us. You don't have to go through me anymore. Just go straight to God because God is going to hear you the same way that he hears me. God is going to respond to you the same way that he responds to me. And when you ask anything in my name, when you ask anything drawing upon the authority that comes from belonging to this family that you've been adopted into, he'll do it. You carry the same authority as I carry what Jesus was saying to us. And that's the important thing here. You have the authority of Jesus when you pray. Any Office fans in here? 
I was, I was, yeah, <laughs> Nate's in the back of the, me. Uh, I was, rem- I was just reminded of, uh, <laughs> of that, that scene with Creed who, uh, who's like telling somebody to go do something and he just says, tell him Creed sent you. They'll know what that means. <laughs> and I, and I, just, I feel like when praying in Jesus' name, that's kind of what gets into my head. It's like, okay, I'm going to tell him Jesus sent me. They'll know what that means. Yeah. Uh, when, when I say you have the authority of Jesus when you pray, I'm talking about when we pray in his name, we are coming into agreement with the King of Kings. And we are exhibiting our union and our oneness with Christ, presenting ourselves as not any different than Christ presented himself to the Father. There's authority and there's power in that. Let's look at Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of Jesus, or in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus told us all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then he gave it to us. Then he gave it to us. And as uh, Violet was reminding us earlier, John 14, 26, in case we forget, he also told us the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I've ever said to you. The Holy Spirit's with us to help us realize the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. We're going to look at a uh, passage from Ephesians. This is, a, this, is a, uh, this is Paul's prayer for us. This is the Apostle Paul praying that our eyes would be open to this, that we'd have a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we would really not just think about and mentally assent, but that we would get at the core of our being what it means to be the adopted sons and daughters of the king. So we're going to, we've got three things I want to mention really quickly after this prayer um, that Paul prayed. We're in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 22. Paul was praying this, and he's praying this over us now. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, his incomparably great power, for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, all power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. I like thinking about us like that, the body, because that's how God sees us. Christ is the head, we are the body, and he describes us as being, Paul describes us as being the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Paul's asking that we would get Actually, let's just invite that in right now. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you. Thank you, God, 
that you adopted us, that you chose us. Before any of us were ever born, you chose us to be adopted into your family. Thank you that it's your great pleasure and it's your great will, it's your great joy to give us the kingdom and to make yourself available to us through your son, Jesus. And when you look at us, when you look at us, God, I'm grateful that you don't see orphans and you don't see strangers. You see your kids. So Lord, we ask, and Holy Spirit, we ask for you to pour out right now that spirit of wisdom and revelation that we would understand, that we would really grasp in the depths of our heart how accepted we are and what it means to be your kids, what it means to be able to walk in the authority of Jesus, to walk in the mercy and the grace and the love of the Father. So we ask for you to pour that out in us today, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. When that spirit of wisdom and revelation comes, Paul's praying that over us. I pray that you would get it. I pray that all the things that God has done for you, the, the, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, that same power that is in you right now, he's saying, I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would come upon you and you would connect to what you have inside and that you would be able to walk in it, that you would be able to stand up and, and in authority say, this is who I am, this is who my Father is, and so when I pray, I declare from this place Amen. and to see things happen. That's what Paul's praying over us, that we would get it, that spirit of wisdom and revelation. And so as it relates to our prayer, when we have the Holy Spirit reminding us of who we are, I, I can't go into this message without doing Lion King again. I just really can't. I just can't. You guys, have you, you're familiar with the movie The Lion King? Anybody? Okay, just checking. If you haven't seen it, I, I honestly don't know how that, that would be possible, right? So if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Simba, our protagonist. I would say he's our fearless hero, but he's not. He's very afraid. Something tragic happens in his early young life and he takes it with him. It makes him afraid. It makes him afraid. Something happens to him, and, and, and he's concerned, oh, I'll never grow up to be the person that I'm supposed to be. He's supposed to be a king. I'll never be able to do that. I, I'm just going to run away. He spends his life running in fear, and there's one scene in particular that will make me cry every time I see it, and he's sitting there. He's all despondent, and James Earl Jones in the form of his daddy lion, Mufasa, comes to him, and he just tells him, you have forgotten who you are. <laughs> and Simba says to him, what are you talking about? I, I'm, I know who I am. And he says, no, 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 no. You have forgotten who you are, and so you've forgotten me. You've lost connection with who you were created to be. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about us as little Simbas running around, scared of stuff and concerned that we're going to overstep if we just embrace who we are, embrace who God has created us to be and embrace what he's called us to do. 
And when we receive that spirit of wisdom and revelation, it changes the way that we pray. Three quick things. When that spirit of wisdom and revelation comes, it reveals to us our position in God. Number one, we start praying not from what we can do, but from what God can do. And there is a huge distinction. There are so many times I have prayed desperately coming from the wrong place. So many times I've thought, well, this is what I would like to see happen. So I'm just going to pray that and then ask God if he would bless it. God, this is my will, and I think this would be best, so I'm just going to voice this out and say, and Lord, if it be your will, let that happen. And it's very different experience than knowing who we are in Christ, knowing what his will is, not only his will, but his ways, right? Knowing the ways of God, knowing his word, knowing his will, and being able to pray from that place. That's part of why we talked last week about praying the scriptures. If we're praying his word and we know, then we already know we're in agreement with him. We combine that with the authority that we know we have, and then we've got something fiery that we're praying. We've got something effective that moves forward. And, and not only does, not only does, does, it, uh, does it move things in the spirit, but it snowballs and begins to move things in the natural. When we begin to declare from authority about what God can do, knowing his will, knowing his word, not our, not our desires, not our wishes, not our wants, but his will. And we begin to declare that in Jesus' name from our position in the family, then, then it's a different realm of experience, of prayer. It's important for us to remember that everything that comes from us is going to die. Everything that comes from people is finite. It decays, it dies, it goes away, and eventually, unless somebody's written about it, it's forgotten. Sorry, that's depressing, but it's true. But things that come from God last forever. And so when we understand who we are in Christ, we begin to pray from what God can do, and we make permanent change in the world make permanent change in a situation, a permanent change in someone's life because things change in the spirit and that's everlasting. Jennifer mentioned it right at the start. We are eternal beings. We are eternal beings, so let's pray from an eternal place. Amen? Uh, Acts 4, 23 through 31. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed that, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they all spoke the word of God boldly. When we know who we are and we pray, it stimulates Holy Spirit activity. Second thing, when we understand who we are in Christ, we start to pray from heaven and not from earth. We start to pray from above and not below. When we're praying from below, we get really caught up in little details, and we can get lost in little details, and oh, that just popped up. I need to address that. I need to address that. I need to address that, 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 that. 
when we begin to pray from that eternal perspective, from that 30,000-foot view that God has, then we begin to declare things over not just the small, but the huge. We begin to declare things that change the world, change a nation. We begin to declare things from heaven in accordance with his will that begin to make big changes. And when big changes happen, it trickles down to the details that we get so concerned about. When the big shifts happen, the little things move in line, right? So when we begin to pray from heaven and not from earth, we get out of the weeds where our own opinion comes up way too much, where our own desire, our own fears come up way too much. We get out of the weeds and we get above and we can begin to see clearly and declare boldly. This is what God has spoken. I'm in agreement with it. This is what I'm declaring over that nation. This is what I'm declaring in the name of Jesus over that person's life. This is what I'm declaring over, their, over that school, what I'm declaring over this world, what I'm declaring over our national leaders. This is praying from heaven. This is praying from heaven and not from earth. Declaring what God has spoken about these things from his perspective. Ephesians 2, 6 through 9 says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Remember, it's his kindness that draws us to repentance in the first place. Don't, over, uh, don't underestimate the kindness of God. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that one, no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He doesn't want us to pray on, in, on this line. He doesn't want us to pray from our perspective, which is limited, which is finite, which dies, which goes away. He wants us to pray from his perspective, which is eternal. Third thing. When we understand who we are in Christ and when we begin to walk in that authority, then we pray in union with Christ and his authority, right? When I'm talking about praying over, over anything, I don't have any authority to make anything happen. I'm just a person. You're just, a, sorry, you're just a person. That's a horrible commencement speech, by the way. If you're ever giving a graduation speech, don't, never lead with, I mean, you're just a person, you know? Always give them like, oh, the places you'll go. That's always a big winner. But when we're talking about prayer, when we're talking about heaven moving on earth, when we're talking about, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done here as it is in heaven, then I don't have authority to make that happen. I don't have authority to make it happen. I, I can wish as much as I want, and I will not move a thing. So we draw on the authority of Christ. We draw on him who has been given all authority and who has shared it with us, which is why we're praying in his name. It's our reminder where we're praying from. It's our reminder that this isn't coming from me. This is, I've got a treasure in earthen vessels. I'm, I'm a little bit broken and a little bit fragile, but I've got the treasure that Jesus put in here. And I'm going to pray from that place. 
2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, For though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are, with, are not with the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. The, uh, the version that I like uh, best says that we cast down every high thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. I end up praying that a lot. Lord, bring down every high thing that would exalt itself and get in the way of me knowing you. So we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Prayer is a weapon of spiritual warfare, but we don't go into battle on our own authority because we will lose. We will lose. We must go into battle. We must go into confrontation mode. We must go into this declaration mode, drawing upon the authority of Jesus, the King of Kings, the beginning and the end, who holds all things in his hand. So prayer in that sense is a lot, it's a lot less about doing business with God, and it's a lot more about experiencing oneness with Jesus. Sometimes we pray as if we're here to do some business with God. We're, it's transactional. We're asking for things. We want to make things happen. God, we need all our columns to balance out. And we're talking about being adopted sons and daughters of the king. It's not about doing business. It's about being family. It's about being one with Jesus and knowing what his will is and just agreeing with him on that. That's what it is. And along those lines, um, our union with Christ, it takes us back to worship. We talked about worship at the beginning of the year. We'll never stop talking about worship. We'll never stop it. It is the backbone and the foundation and the core of everything that we do and everything that we are as believers in Christ. We'll never get away from it. And this is just worship. This is just worship. This revelation empowers us to pray with confidence and with courage and with, with conviction that Jesus' authority is in us. Jesus' authority came because of his submission to the Father. He had a lot of chances to try to go his own way, but he chose at every juncture to submit his own will to that of the Father. And because of that submission, because of that perfect submission, God has exalted him to the highest place and given him all authority. That sounds like worship. As worshipers and as people in union with Christ, that's what we're doing here. That's what we're doing in our lives, submitting ourselves, submitting ourselves, submitting our own will to the Father so that he can work through us. 